Don't let this be the vibe of your next party. Jazz it up with the You Hate to See It party mix. Oh, fuck yeah! This music is what the third graders call sussy baka. Just search for the You Hate to See It party mix playlist on Spotify for the best party entertainment money can't buy. Hey, this music's bussin'. Welcome, everyone, to the brand new episode of You Hate to See It. My name's Adam. I'm Jeff. And uh, today we are welcomed by a very special guest. You may know him as one half of Cheech and Chong or as Leo from that 70s show and the upcoming that 90s show. Um, So welcome Grammy winner Tommy Chong. (laughs) Yay! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You you left out a lot, but that's okay. We don't have that much time. (laughs) We'll get into say. a lot of stuff as we keep going. We've had a lot of acting credits, though. Well, not so much acting, you know. Yeah, it was really good acting. Yeah, yeah. That's when I met Cheech. That was the only acting he did. Is when I first met him. Yeah. And I asked, and I asked him if he had any acting experience, and then that was his first bit of acting. Hmm. When he when he told me yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. So uh, speaking of, uh, you know, Cheech and Cheech and Sean, like, how did that happen? How did you guys meet? It was very serendipity. Uh, we, I was up in, like I said, you know, I, got, I left Detroit because I got fired from Motown. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and even though it wasn't Barry Gordy's fault, he, he wanted to keep me on. But I told Barry that I wanted to become a Barry Gordy. I didn't want to work for one. Mm-hmm. And he, he he dug that, and so I uh, ended up backing out. Let's see, where did I go first? Yeah, we went to L.A., and then I had interest in nightclubs up in uh, Canada, and because I had, you know, I was out of work, it was time to go back and uh, go to work again, you know, in the clubs. And so I went back to Vancouver, and uh, and one of the clubs uh, we had two clubs, and one of them was a strip club, and. Uh, and so I, of course, I, I, I never had a job. So I went working at the strip club. They needed me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and then looking at when I, I was working the lights, I was, I became the light man. And, uh, and watching the show, I realized that the, the girls look so beautiful when they come in from the street, you know, mm-hmm. and then they put on all their stripper garb and they look like strippers, you know. So I had this idea of, of doing an improvisational uh, comedy club uh, with the strippers, still stripping, but coming in in their street clothes first, mm-hmm. and at which they did. And it was a, artistically, it was a huge success. Uh, <laughs> huge, huge, huge success, artistically. Uh, unfortunately, the the... <laughs> We we lost the the twenty bikers that would keep the place floating uh, in cash, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and we ended up uh, servicing about three hundred a night uh, theater goers yeah. who would uh, sip on a glass of wine and count their change. Yeah, you know? 
So, so, but and that's where I met Cheech. Cheech was uh, one of the actors uh, in, in the in the play. And then when we got fired uh, for lack of uh, money, mm-hmm. uh, I was going to go back into the music business. And so, and Cheech was a singer. So, Cheech and I uh, we rehearsed a, a couple of times and we formed a band, you know. But we had been doing comedy every night for. Nine months, nine months, two hours, two, three hours of comedy. And so we started, uh, we got a gig, mm-hmm. Battle of the Bands. And instead, so we were going to do a little comedy before we got into the music. We never did get into the music. We just stayed with the comedy. And uh, that, that, that night, Cheech and Chong was born. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. See, I I honestly thought when you said you went you went to a strip club, it was because you were also going to be up there dancing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, you know it was the strangest thing. Not really strange because that that's the way life works. Uh, the first club, it was an after hours club, was given to me by uh, the builder, the guy that owned the building. He just bought the building, and he wanted to put a nightclub in in the basement but he didn't want to run it anything else so he offered it to me and because i had the band and uh, and so i took it i took up his offer and then uh, and we made a big go of it uh, we started booking uh, you know good good uh, singers we, mm-hmm. we got this singer from uh, la uh, bobby taylor and and that we were there a couple of years and so uh, uh, it was a huge success. Bobby was a big pain in the ass. So, you know, he was, <laughs> he was, he was, he was one of these guys, you, you want to fire, but he packs a place with people, you know, and so you can't really fire, but you can't put up with this shit anymore. Yeah. And, but uh, it was my girlfriend, now wife, that really convinced me, no, because he did leave one time and he tried to steal the drums we bought him a set of drums <laughs> and and he he was going to leave he, you know just on a whim because that's that's that was bobby's mo you know he would get something going really good pack the place and then he would mess it up leave you know well mess up the club business you know uh but anyway we uh i listened to my girlfriend and we bought brought bobby back and luckily we did because I think that the next week or so, Barry, uh, the Supremes, Dinah Ross and the Supremes came to the club in, and discovered Bobby Taylor and the Vancouver's. And we weren't called them uh, Bobby Taylor and the Vancouver's then. We, we had another name. No, we had no name because we were a bar band. You know, you don't name a bar band. You yeah. Just hope, hope the drummer shows up and... Uh, and oh God, did the singer try to steal the drums again? <laughs> it was one of those trips. But anyway, we got discovered by Diana Ross and uh, and we went right to Motown and recorded a, a record called Does Your Mama Know About Me? And uh, it was a big, big, big black hit. And and that's all it's called it, you know, because Motown was black. And, uh, and we changed actually the, I, I wrote the lyrics for that song and it changed Motown. They went from, you know, doing the strict R&B, I love you, 
to uh, Papa Was a Rolling Stone and Love Child and all those other um, racially sensitive uh, mm -hmm. topics. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, and speaking of uh, Bobby Taylor and the Vancouver's, um, you were able to work with some of the greats while uh, being a guitarist for that band. Um, people like Jimi Hendrix and the Jackson yep. Five, and you even went yep. as far once in a saying in an interview that you were responsible for the success of the Jackson Five, stating, "I was the lawyer who signed the contract for them. I was the whitest guy they knew. I looked like a Jewish guy, a lawyer." <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's so true. That was so funny. You know, because back in the day, you know, the the ghetto was a ghetto. Mm -hmm. You know, and the Jackson Five came from. Uh, Gary, Indiana. You can't get any more ghetto than that. Oh God! And the yeah. reason, <laughs> yeah, the reason they were in Chicago, uh, we were in Chicago. We were at the uh, oh, what was the club uh, uh, on the South Side, anyway? Oh, the Regal Theater, I think it was. Yeah, and 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 we were uh, co-building with uh, Jerry Butler. But uh, the Jackson Five won a uh, contest, a school contest, and they were opening for for the for both of us, and um, and so when we heard Michael <laughs> and the boys, but when we heard Michael sing and when we saw Michael, I mean it was a revelation, you know, it was stardom was written all over Michael, and he was only what eight, nine years old at the time, and uh, and so Bobby told Joe uh, uh, Jackson, you know, come on, uh, come on to Detroit. We'll, we'll get you signed with Motown. And, uh, and so the whole family, you know, the boys anyway, backed up and came and they lived with Bobby <laughs> in Detroit. Now, now Bobby Taylor, like I said, he, he was quite a character. Uh, back in the day, you could get wild animals. There was no, uh, law against it and so bobby decided to buy a lion a male lion and so he had this lion cub that he had on a leash and he would uh take it on the elevator <laughs> because he lived in a high-rise apartment and he'd get it on the elevator and all the brothers would would have their hand on their pieces on their guns <laughs> looking at the lion uh, but anyway bobby uh Bobby, he came through with the promise, you know, he, it took a month, but finally, uh, Suzanne DePasse and, and they discovered that they listened to Jackson 5 and they realized what they had. And, uh, and so they gave him a contract right away. And Joe and Bobby brought me the contract. <laughs> and I did look Jewish. I had a horn rim glasses and short hair and, and, uh, in fact, my brother and I, we were called a, a couple of oh, yeah, dirty Jew uh, when we, we had some uh, punks. <laughs> uh, we, like our club was an after hours club. So we, we, it would be a, a MMA fight at, at, at closing time. You know, that's when the fighters would come up and, mm -hmm. uh, and the drunks and everything. So yeah, uh, you know, it was, it was Wild West time. And uh, yeah. We we uh, we were responsible for the Jackson Five being signed by Motown. Yep. Yeah. Can you imagine walking up to go on an elevator and it just opens up and there's a lion in there? 
I'm telling you. And you're a black guy in the ghetto. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I would think, like, how what what's in the stairs then? Like, how bad are the stairs? <laughs> no, see, you're thinking, you're thinking magic. You're thinking magic. No, what they would be thinking is, is this motherfucker going to try to rob me? <laughs> no, it's crazy. No, Detroit was, was Chicago was crazy. Man, I was walking in Chicago. Well, the band, we, the band got mugged in broad daylight <laughs> in Chicago. And when they told the cops, the cop says, "Boy, are you going to stick around and press charges?" And the guy said, "Why? Do you know who did it?" And the cop said, "Yeah." And do you know where they are? Yeah, we know exactly right where they robbed you. They'll be hanging out there, but we're not going to catch them unless uh, you guys are going to stay around and press charges or you're not going to press charges and forget about it. <laughs> so they said, well, we don't want to press charges. And that was it. But Chicago, yeah, the South side was weird, man. I remember walking to the, to the theater and waiting at a light and I could feel someone touching my hair and I turn and look, it'd be little black kids. They never saw hair. This is straight hair <laughs> like mine. Mm-hmm. It was cute. It was really cute. I had a good time. So after your music career, you like started transitioning into comedy and stuff, and you met Cheech. How did you convince Cheech to be in the movie Up in Smoke? Well, we were by that time we were we had done records. We had done mm-hmm. a ton of a ton of albums. We got a Grammy. We're, we we were really a recording uh, phenomenon back then but we'd kind of run out of uh, material you know and, and the thrill was gone you know after mm-hmm. nine albums you, you start you know I started asking my kids for material you know <laughs> and they did they gave me some good ones um, no I wanted to do a movie I didn't want to go to Australia we, we kept gigging over in Australia which was cool except we had to write a new show, we being me. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time we'd go over there, we couldn't go over there with the same show. We'd have to change it up, you know, keep the greatest hits, but change the rest of it. And and that took, you know, it, it, it took time. I started writing a movie with a with a screenwriter. <clears throat> and, uh, and that was the movie that I was kind of working on. I'm a kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I kind of do this and kind of do that, but not really. Yeah. Unless it, unless the money's there, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and so when we started talking about a movie, then right away, Lou Adler, our record producer, he wanted to get involved. And so he, he lived next door to all the Paramount executives. And so he would talk to them and he got us a deal. And uh, so we, we hired a director. Floyd Mutrix, but Floyd really didn't make the cut because like Cheech and Chong, we're, we're used to recording and doing everything immediately. There was no like writing, let's rehearse, let's think about it. Uh, Cheech and Chong, we go in the studio, we just start recording. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so Floyd didn't work out. Uh, and so then Lou said, uh, well, why don't he re- he direct and, and really just take my direction, you know? 
uh, at least that's what I that's what I assumed because that's what happened you know? <laughs> <laughs> until until the movie was finished and then all of a sudden Lou decided that he was a director <laughs> and and he he put in his own ending which was really a, a stroke stroke of genius that up in smoke was very serendipity if you know what I mean mm-hmm. my whole life has been very serendipity that there's been uh, you know, moves, you know, like playing with Hendrix and the Jackson Five and that. I, I've, I've always been next to real, really famous, influential people, you know, like like Muhammad Ali, for instance. And so, so when we started doing the movie, uh, everything was fine if Lou just listened to me. And he was a great, uh, you know, moving cameras around and being on the other side of the camera, you know, while Cheech and I did our thing. It was perfect. And I thought we would have a, a thing forever. I thought that was going to last forever, but I, I didn't know the movie business, you know. And, uh, and, and so anyway, uh, Lou took over, tried to shoot. Well, he did. He shot an ending because we we're at the end of the, the budget and end of the movie, basically. And so how were we going to wrap it up? Well, the truth is, is that I saw that we would never wrap it up. You know, it would be the ventures of, mm-hmm. you know, just like all the other comedians like uh, Martin and Lewis and, you know, all the other great uh, uh, comedy teams, you know, they just kept going until they, to one of them died, basically. And so, but Lou, his, his ending was pretty bad. Uh, and they showed, <laughs> they showed it to Paramount, they showed it to everybody. And it was really sad because it, it, what it was like is like uh, you're doing a joke, you know, mm-hmm. and just when you come to the punchline, you let someone else that don't know the joke do the punchline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it becomes a different joke and it's not funny. Yeah. That's what happened. That's what happened. Now, Cheech has a different recollection because Cheech is very uh, pragmatic. You know, he wants to please everybody and he doesn't like enemies. And, and uh, so, so Cheech, Cheech and I disagreed on, on, on what happened. In fact, I wrote a book one time, uh, the, the I Chong, and Cheech years later wrote his own book, uh, disputing everything that I put in my book. That <laughs> 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 was, was kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, so and that's really where we're at now with Cheech, you know, because he he uh, uh, for whatever reason I don't know, you know, he just got tired of playing that character that we created, you know, the Pedro, Pedro mm-hmm. and Manor, and so uh, we 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 fell out with Lou, I did for sure, and uh, and we we split, we cut ties with Lou because of because of that that ending basically mm-hmm. yeah I, I reshot the ending and it was screened and it's the ending that's in the movie and it's you know it's been many years and many many bucks now we got screwed out of a, a lot of income mm-hmm. from that because of that you know because he Lou is a businessman you know so he protected himself pretty well I got sued he, he took me to court not him but his accountant, who he also screwed, took me to court uh, for some uh, a loan, so-called loan, 
uh, anyway, we ended up, I, I won the case and, uh, and we parted ways and, and, and that's where we are now, you know, uh, and then eventually it took a while, but we got, you know, we had up in smoke, but we had no, no job. We, we had quit touring because of the movie. Mm-hmm. And so we had no money coming in and, and we never had another movie to, to start right away, you know? So, so we were teaching and we were in pretty rough shape for a while. Then we pulled it together and uh, we met a, a beautiful uh, hustler from uh, New York. Now, if you're going to mess with gangsters, <laughs> get a real one. <laughs> That's my motto. Get a real one. And, and even though he wasn't technically a gangster, he ran with the boys. He was that guy in Goodfellas, you know, that always wanted to get paid. Come on, mm-hmm. you, know, you gonna pay me? Maybe you know. He was Howard was kind of that guy, but he 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 always kept himself clean. He was always on the verge of big money, but uh, but he tried to put a he he loved Hollywood. He wanted to get in Hollywood, and he tried to put a, a what do you call it? A, a, a advertising uh, thing together, you know. Uh, Doing uh, pro, uh, doing ads and that with the with film, mm-hmm. but uh, but anyway, uh, he got turned. We got he got turned on to us, and he took our case. He said, "Okay, I'll, first thing you do, boys, get your own lawyer, <laughs> <laughs> a real lawyer." And so we got our uh, we got a real lawyer. Cheech is still with the the lawyer that we got. That's been fifty some odd years now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So, so we got a lawyer, we got free from Lou. Uh, then we started getting, then, then Howard went out and got us a three picture deal. Three, two, one with uh, uh, Universal and two with uh, Columbia. And, and that started our career. And then, then we got offered uh, the Corsican brothers and we got offered a couple more, but the, by then Cheech had left and he went to do, he did his own Born in East LA movie. And that was sort of like the end of our our movie uh, career, as per se, you know, mm-hmm. as 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 those guys. And for some reason, Cheech still he got back together. We got back together, but he, not really. He 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 would he would never go back being Pedro. Not uh, it could be a, a, a you know a, a, what's what what's what do they do now? What do they call it now? The, the race thing no no the race uh uh, if you're a racist you know what you could do back in the day you you can't do now apparently oh okay yeah 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 we couldn't do it we we couldn't do that character that she did you know the great character the great pedro character and uh yeah so that's that's basically where we where we're at now you know yeah, I saw that uh, in my research. I saw that you guys have like one comedy show booked for like 2023, like January of 2023. And then uh, and then I saw that in 2014, it was announced that you guys were working on a new Cheech and Chong movie. But um, is that happening at all? Or Well, we tried in 14. Yeah, we, we, we tried again, you know, I... I can't really work with anybody. Yeah, <laughs> to tell you the truth, 
you know. I can't do someone else. I, I could do Leo in, in the 70s show because it was written for me and and it's like i i wrote it you know mm-hmm. the the character um but the cheech and chong magic you know it, it it could be still there but cheech would have to at least grow his mustache back you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like right now he he doesn't have that mustache and it was but we have we've been working on this uh, documentary and, and I'm kind of excited about it because it's um, it's not Cheech and Chong, you know. And I got nothing to do with the writing or any of it, mm-hmm. but it's done by David Brunsko, uh, and he's a really good uh, filmmaker. You know, did Sling Blade and a few others, uh, and and he's working with my daughter Robbie, and so we've been working on this uh, documentary for about four or five years now. Uh, and it had to get slowed down for the pandemic and all that other stuff, mm-hmm. but it's coming along good. I'm really happy with it. I think I'm the only one in the in the in the family that is happy with it. <laughs> <laughs> my wife, my kids, uh, uh, Cheech. They're not very happy, <laughs> but I'm the guy that uh, um, that wrote wrote that stuff. You know, wrote mm-hmm. everything. You know. And, and directed the, the movies, you know. I have a hard time. When I was with Howard, Howard used to tell me, he says, you can, it's hard to blow your own horn. And so Howard used to tell me, you, you, you build me up, I'll build you up, you know. And that's what we did. And, and when we did the uh, next movie, Nice Dreams, Things Are Tough All Over, you know, that was uh, because of Howard, you know, Howard, standing behind you know cheerleading me on you know uh for some reason now i'm guessing that 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 uh that cheech and and the chicanos uh really wanted to take the chicano image away from the Mm lowrider and 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 make it more like lawyers doctors you know the jimmy spitz uh, model you know yeah, and that's why that's why Cheech ended up doing uh, Nash Bridges with Don, uh, Don Johnson because he he became a, a cop like his dad. His dad was a cop. You know? I got offered that job, but I, there's no way you know Chong's going to be a cop <laughs> <laughs> unless it's for a joke. Like, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, unless uh, unless I'm that rogue cop, you know. Yeah, but even no, I couldn't even do the rogue cop, man. I, I couldn't. Even, come in you know there's there's when i was a kid i had a choice of you know going to jail or joining the the navy mm-hmm. and i didn't go to jail but i didn't join the navy i <laughs> i had the papers i had the paperwork and it's like seven years and that i done i looked at that and i said nah because i was an army cadet mm-hmm. and i loved i enjoyed marching that's how i learned how to uh to dance you know uh, because of the marching uh, thing and dancing and marching is so closely related because you got to know what you got to tell your feet what to do and your feet have to listen mm-hmm. and so so uh no i like i, I like the the army cadets but you know the, the the straight world really i i i made a choice like my brother was a jock and he was older than me and uh and his fraternity blackballed me. 
they wouldn't have me in their fraternity. And it was, even though my brother was in it, they they did not want me in there because I was I was known too much as a, as a, like a hood, you know, I hung with the with the bad guys. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, yeah, and and that's been my life the whole time. Teach, on the other hand, he always was the good guy. You know, he was an altar boy for a while. Um, he would go to his cousin was very edu- well educated, and he insisted that Cheech uh, and all his siblings, you know, were would be going to the museums and learning and reading of books, reading all that. So, so Cheech is very academic and he's very smart. He was a champion on uh, celebrity, uh, uh, yeah, Jeopardy. Yeah, yeah, Cheech won, he beat Anderson Cooper. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. Well, so you brought up, uh leo and so so that uh, how that role was written for you um so like how did that happen like did they just call you up and say hey we've wrote you a role on this popular show (laughs) yeah basically they did the research they found out that i wasn't really doing anything with cheech Mm -hmm. you know and 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 it was the same time that the don johnson's company called me and and they offered me but it was an offer. It wasn't like, uh, uh, hey, we really want you. It was more like, uh, we got Cheech. Let's see if we can get Chong. Yeah. And, and uh, but it never happened. I, I stayed with the 70 show and Cheech stayed with uh, Nash Bridges. And uh, I learned to really like the show. I, I, I really enjoyed it. It was strange at first, not being the, the creator, you know. Mm-hmm. But then it became very easy. I became a worker. And, you know, I didn't have to work, stay up nights. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, I became, all I had to do is learn lines. And that, and they made it so simple for me that, that the lines almost spoke for themselves, you know. I never had to ad-lib anything. I ad-libbed one line. It was two inches. I, I added two inches to the script. <laughs> that was the only time. That was the only time I did that. Because when you do a sitcom, you know, you're surrounded by an army of writers, producers. Mm-hmm. Literally, you're surrounded by them. And everyone has a job. And and they're all um, in a creative, but yet um, uh, this, where they're, where they're almost spoiling the actors with compliments. You know, trying to keep every because actors are like kittens, you know, it's hard to herd kittens, you know. Actors are the same way, you know. Yeah. You tell an actor something, they they right away they think, is it isn't there a better way to do this? Do I have to get up that early? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um but I was but I I, I really uh appreciate it, uh, everything about it. But you know, that's the way I've been all my life. I I've I look at every everything as an adventure, but not as a uh, means to the end. You know? Yeah, uh, my like my favorite like scene of you as Leo has to be so it's after after uh, you were gone from the show for two seasons. Oh yeah, and yeah. and you come and like literally because so I watched the whole show on Netflix and I didn't know why you were gone for two seasons at the time and stuff i like i was just watching it all on netflix binge watching it and i 
come up and I had been thinking like god like why did they get rid of Leo and I like wasn't like I just wasn't googling it because I was lazy and and then all of a sudden one episode you just come crawling out of the woods on the side of Ohio and there and Danny Mashman's like Leo where you been it's been like two years and he's like you're like what like <laughs> like oblivious <laughs> to the fact that you've been gone it was well that, it that was, was the funniest bit. thing <laughs> That was the beauty of that character. Yeah, uh, he was such a mystery. Yeah, that and and they the writers they're they're a genius with that. You know, the writers uh, because you never knew what Leo was. You know, he was a vet. Yeah, you know, and uh, Red Red was, you know, surprised. Yeah, that Leo was a vet. It, whatever it is, Leo Leo had done it. You know, but now he's uh, he. <laughs> He's that hippie. Yeah, it's going to be uh, the 90s, the 90s show. Uh, we already did one episode and uh, and what kill, what's really clever, those writers are clever. They're, they're, they're using uh, the grandkids mm-hmm. of, of their older kids as, as the new marijuana circle and all that. You know? Yeah. I, I haven't seen any of their, their stuff. I just was aware of my my bit with with kitty and it was so funny because when i joined the show the only one only person that re- really gave me that that shouldn't be her vibe was kitty <laughs> <laughs> she 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 was she's so sweet you know but she thought that i would really was a dirty hippie you know yeah <laughs> and then at the end of the show when we finally wrapped and that was after I went to jail and everything. Kitty came back and, oh, man, it was one of the sweetest moments at the rap, the last show we did together. And Kitty, instead of calling me Leo, she called me Tommy on the show. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow, they might have left it in there. I, I, I didn't see the finishing finished product. But, uh, yeah, Kitty and I really became tight. And, and then... Uh, when we did the '90s show, so they they worked Kitty and I together in, in the in the new '90s show. And like I said, I haven't seen the, the kids. I met them all. Yeah, you know, met the new the new cast. But uh, yeah, that was that was a very. You know what I learned? I used it as a school because I I never finished high school, and I always missed that lecturing part you know of school where you sit and learn something mm-hmm. you know not not sit and have to worry about a test but but just sit learning and so i when i was doing that 70s show i would te- i would treat it like a school and i would go down and watch the director work with with the with the main actors you know and i learned a, a, a tremendous amount so much I learned so much because I'm a you know I, I call myself a director mm-hmm. at times too you know well I'm I'm hoping uh whether you can tell me or not I'm hoping that uh Leo comes stumbling in not realizing that two decades has passed since the show ended <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> yeah he probably will well the, the, again that's a, that, that's the writers you know I, I don't, yeah I, I yeah I've let to see you know yet to see uh see where they're going with it you know yeah but uh yeah because it's it's a new order of things now we're going to have series that last for years like Mm -hmm. we have now 
Yeah. We have now, you know, they're series that literally last for years. Um, what, what was Aston Kutcher like then compared to, cause like everyone knows what he's doing now with like his, like with Thorn and trying to help out with like stopping sex trafficking. It's just weird thinking of him going from that 70s show to now at this day and age, he's out there doing just amazing stuff. Yeah, Ashton was uh, of, of everybody there. He was the most ambitious of of them all. When I joined the the the, the troop, we would do some promos sometimes, and uh, we get to talk and into the whole kids and everything else. And 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 I was I've always been working on a show, you know, uh, some kind of TV show or something. And Ashton was the only one that was really needs to count me in. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. You know, he, no matter what it was, he was in. And then he was always the one that was uh, creating, you know, like punk and all, yeah. all those all those shows, man. He was he was the most ambitious and um, and, and very, very loving. Uh, he's got a twin brother. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. That I did not know. And his twin brother has a mental disability. And uh, and so actually, that's where he gets the soul from. You know, he had been taking care of his brother all his life. And so that's that's the human part of the humane part of Ashton, you know. And the fact that him and Mila got together was so beautiful. So sim because you know, they 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 weren't the the you had no idea there that was gonna happen on the show, you know, yeah. because Ashton was such a crazy guy and <laughs> Mila was so so young. Yeah. yeah but isn't it perfect? But actually, you know, he always was sort of like a not not some uh, like he always he deserved to be in the spotlight. You know, I think that's why he and Demi Moore they they both left each other for that. You know, they both attracted the the light in Ashton, and that's what he what he found with Mila. You know, mm-hmm. not that he loved her. She 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 was an actress. She was a star. Um, I think Ashton will probably be proved to be more of a producer, uh, you know, that that gets heavy shit done. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I see. So I wanted to ask you then a little bit about, and this was a show that Jeff turned me on to. You were on The Masked Singer. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask about. Um, Yeah. So... How how is that show? Like, how did that happen? What like they insight? Let's see. They saw me on. I was on Dancing with the Stars, mm-hmm. and I and I made the finals. Uh, and I didn't want to make the finals, but oh, guess what? You know, I was getting good ratings. So so all of a sudden, oh, we Tommy, he's in the finals. <laughs> but they were kind enough to let me go that. that, that at the finals you know i was the last guy to go and, and uh, but anyway i've got what tv people uh i don't, I don't know it's uh the, the tv presence you know when i'm on somewhere the people oh okay they're interested in seeing me and so uh the mass singer i was like they had shot a couple already but they hadn't released it and so it was all brand new. And so they had, they had me go up for it. And it was kind of secretive, you know, because of 
you're going to be masked and everything, which is, I'm the worst guy to tell a secret to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I like, uh, I was born a spoiler, I guess, you know, uh, yeah. And uh, anyway, they, they uh, I had to pick out the costume, you know, they had a lot of different things, but I like the, the pineapple because it had uh, a body armor with abs. You know, I've never been able to get abs. And so I thought, oh, at least I can, I can have a costume with abs. And so, so that was good. And then I took singing lessons, you know, and I really enjoyed them. Again, you see, I, see, that was the kind of schooling I shunned before because I was, I was making too much money to, to have to stop and take music lessons. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, I was already writing songs for Motown, so what do I need music lessons for? But singing lessons, I, I would uh, encourage anybody that was singing, even if you can't sing, you know, because it, it's like a gym warm up. You know, you need to. It's good for you to take mm -hmm. uh, lessons, and so I, so I, I would study every day. The only thing I didn't like about the mass singer is that you couldn't tell anybody what you're doing mm -hmm. and you had to hide when, you, you know, they didn't want it and no one need, could know who you were. Mm -hmm. And for guys like me, that's, oh, shit. That's a kiss of death, man. Yeah. Because, you know, just my face or my name opens doors, you know, oh, we're over here, Mr. John. Oh, you know, yeah. hey, here we got, yeah. you don't have to wait in line here. When you're in the mass singer, it's like, they isolate you. Yeah. Okay, you finish your same song, go into a room. <laughs> no one's going to be there. It's just you. Yeah. You're sitting there, and the world's going on around out, outside without you. And so when I got uh, kicked off the mass singer, it was like, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it because I'm not really a singer and I'm not, you know. They, they, I'm a character, and, and, and half the people knew it was me. But the other half, I always thought could mix. They mix Cheech and I up, and so they think I'm Cheech. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, that's that's the way it went. But it was a, it was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed it. I was yeah, cause, like when you watch the show, show, it's always like, do they really just keep everyone separated at all times? Yeah, and like, it just seems like such a fucking hassle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Sounds insane, like insanity backstage. Well, it, it it's it's not really because it's it's the it's a, the the producer's dream, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the guy's not you got a whole entourage of people, and he's got to, he's in that little room. You know exactly where he is at. Yeah, he's locked. He's locked in a room. He ain't going nowhere. You know? uh, no, I I understand it totally. I haven't been able to watch it though. Uh, every once in a while, I accidentally find it. You know? you know, I'm more of a a travelogue guy. Mm -hmm. uh, Rick Sears, Rick Sears, or whatever his name is. Uh, I watch him all the time. You know, and here we are in Romania. You know, I love those shows, man, <laughs> because that's what I'm doing now. Yeah, I'm traveling. I, you know, when I get a chance, my wife and I we travel around. She's an artist, and we we just got back from uh, Italy uh, where she uh, took an art class with her teacher in a Italian farmhouse. Oh, it was great. It was great. 
Italy is so beautiful. And the reason why, there are no signs anywhere. Mm-hmm. There's no road signs. There's no advertising signs. You can't advertise in Italy anywhere because they got so many monuments and all these historical places. You don't mm-hmm. want to sully them up with, with road signs and that. And so you're, you're in the middle of a, of a beautiful countryside. It was, we really enjoyed it. And uh, went to the little towns and, and, and I, I, I sat in the back seat and never said a word. <laughs> and got shit for it. And got got blamed for it. Oh, yeah, he, he didn't do nothing. There's nothing, nothing for me to do. <laughs> How how's the food in Italy? Oh. I'm a foodie. I love food. So <laughs> so good. Well, yeah. to begin with, it, it was a pandemic, was you know, was, you had to wear a mask, and so there was no weight to get in anywhere. And especially if you and where we went, we went into the interior, uh, what's it called, Lumbia, uh, right in the in the middle, Tuscany up from Tuscany, right in the farm. It's where all the little uh, fortresses on the hill, all those little uh, towns and that. And uh, yeah, we uh, oh the food, oh my god, a tomato in Italy. It's like you want to bring it home and make an altar of it, you know, <laughs> worship it because it's so juicy and tasty. And olives, I had no idea. Olives, what they do when they're fresh, squeezed, they have this tangy, uh, kind of like a spicy, spicy taste to it. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you how, how tasty the food is. Listen to this. Rome and the main part of Italy were charging too much for salt because the salt would come from the sea and the salt merchants. Uh, we learned all about the mafia in that. And there, it's in every industry, especially the salt. So the people in Numia, uh, where we were, they, they said, okay, we're going to bake bread without salt. And so all the bread in, in that part of the region has no salt. But here's the, the clicker. When you sop up the whatever you sop up, there's no salt to interfere with the taste mm-hmm. of that of that stuff. And so you've got like a sponge sopping up all the great uh, sauces and the juices and the, and the oh. You talk about <laughs> heaven. Yeah. And, and you don't stuff yourself. Everything, the reason they call it courses is because it does come out and they're like little tasters, tasting bits. It's, it's not like white people fuck everything up, you know, especially <laughs> food, yeah. you know. Oh, they can fuck up food in a heartbeat, you know. You know, you get a can of something, and, you know, put it in there. Oh, but there, they would cook little things. I got a, a in the farmhouse. They cooked on the little fireplace that was next to the table, the where we were eating the kitchen table. And so you just did reach, they pull the coals underneath the the grill and grill whatever the the calamari that was stuffed, you know, on the skewer. That would be a course. And then oh man, I <laughs> the food was just insane 
insane. And then after, they serve these chocolates that are, again, another taste, but heaven. They, it was, and the wine. No, I don't drink wine. I, you know, I quit when I, I got cancer. But Italy, you can't go to Italy and not drink the wine. It's, yeah. I, I, I think it's against the law, law there. I think they, yeah. What, you didn't drink wine? Get out of here. You know, like the soup nuts. <laughs> so you, uh, did you ever, have you ever had like real Chinese food? I know your dad is from, is Chinese. So like, did, did you ever have, get good Chinese food growing up or travel to China or something? Not, not growing up. We grew up like, like peasants, mm-hmm. you know. And my dad, the reason he married a, uh, a white woman you know he he wasn't that thrilled with the chinese he liked he, he liked the american cooking he my dad we had the best breakfasts you know the sausages and eggs and pancakes and yeah potato <laughs> potatoes everything fried you know yeah that that was good you know but the the chinese food i never liked the chinese food at home because my mother would end up cooking it she's not a chinese you know yeah. So as I got older, I ended up with a Chinese girlfriend. Well, then she she taught me all the secrets, you know. <laughs> and the Italians got their cooking skills from China. That's how good the Chinese were. Yeah. Listen, I, there, there's a we got a ritual that the Chong family do every uh, Christmas. Christmas Eve, uh, we wouldn't eat at home. We'd go to a Chinese restaurant. And now my wife's not a big Chinese food eater either, you know. She has something about MSG or some shit like that. But she, <laughs> she, she. Uh, but Christmas Eve, it's a Jewish tradition too, because the Chinese restaurants are the only restaurants that are open Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. and so everybody has that that uh, tradition. So my son, he who's also a foodie, and he's also a a chef, my son, is, he learned how to become a sushi chef. Like he, he can do sashimi like Japanese, you know, he, he, he learned. Mm-hmm. He, he cooked it for about a year. So he got on the online and found the Chinese restaurant. Now, check this out. They got one dish that cost, say, $900 for the dish. Mm-hmm. Almost 1000 it was they would say it, it would be a thousand except it sounds too big <laughs> you know the number <laughs> 900 for some reason it doesn't bad. it's a dish alaskan crab from alaska and what they do they take it all up and first of all they show you the crab is as big as the table huge legs huge everything and then they take it back and they cook it up and they have like six different dishes. They cook it with fried rice. You can have the, just the lobster legs by itself. So delicious that even my wife had seconds. <laughs> she says, oh, I've got to have some more of that. Even her, she usually missed, oh, it's got MSG salt. <laughs> she had to say, oh, my God. We all did. But she's also the the... The financier of the family and so, so i was telling my friend who's an investor in our company mm-hmm. and who's who i was in jail with about the the crab 
Mm-hmm. And he's, well, let's go have some. <laughs> I couldn't say no. Yeah. I'm trying to get the best in our company. Yeah. What am I going to say? No, it's a thousand dollars, you know. <laughs> so him and I went there, and thousand dollar crab. Is it a thousand dollars per the, person or for the table? No, for the table. Okay. And, and, and then then we had so many leftovers, so so everybody ate at home too, you know. And and I'm still. I got another friend that wants to go there. Uh, it's called Crystal. Uh, Crystal Garden, Crystal Gardens, on La Cienega. Wow, you've never. I, I'm, I'm telling you. I, to me, it just changed the whole Chinese food. Although, in Calgary, you know, thanks to to my uh, my Chinese girlfriend, you know, I I, I learned how to order. Mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. it's from the um, it's a waiter's menu, but the Chinese waiters when they finish work. Uh, they they always cook up something special. It's never what they sell, mm-hmm. you know, the, the chop suey or the, the chow mein or any of that. This is special for the waiters and homeboys. And whoa, I I turned Cheech onto it, and Cheech because he is the you know when he finds something, he has to learn everything about it. He learned how to pronounce. The, the the dish itself is chung chow yop yung and he learned how to say that <laughs> and he'll and wherever Chinese restaurant he goes he'll stand there and he'll say chung chow yop yung until finally they go oh you want chung chow yop yung because oh, okay. <laughs> they don't know what he's saying you know a little Mexican go and say chung chow yop yung chung chow yop yung <laughs> but Cheech, he will not give up until he gets what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's another good dish, too. Yeah. No, the Chinese food, it's the best food if you're poor. Yeah. You know, because that's, uh, <clears throat> you can do so much. For instance, I never had a steak mm-hmm. by myself until I was almost 30. Because if we had any money, we'd go to Chinatown. Mm-hmm. And you don't order steak in Chinatown. You share a steak in Chinatown. Yeah. <laughs> they cut it up real fine. And that's what the, they always, the, the Chinese, the Toji Lo, the rich Chinese, they're different. You know, they would have the thousand dollar crab. But the peasants, you know, if they had a, a chunk of meat, that chunk of meat would last a month. You know, because you only shave off enough, fry it with uh, ginger and garlic, and then you put it with the vegetables, and now uh, you got a delicious. And with rice, you got a delicious meal. Yeah. You know? So, no, I, I I love my I I'm so into my Chinese roots that I almost we did a DNA and found out that I've got Native American in me, eight <laughs> percent eight. Which meant my mom was 20 some odd percent and her mom was 50%. So my grandmother was half native. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what, what, I forget what the tribe. Uh, uh, Ojibwe. Okay. Saskatchewan and, uh, and uh, um, Manitoba, Saskatchewan border. So you have been called the world's humblest megalomaniac <laughs> by Cheech. <Yeah. laughs> 
Um, what does that mean to you, and how does that feel? It's such a compliment. Oh, God, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. <clears throat> yeah, because I am. I was blessed, you know, and I'll be the first to say it. And and I got a big mouth, you know. And there's a lot of lot of sages, you know, prophets around that know what I know, but they're not saying a word, you know. Me, I got a big boat, man. I'm a spoiler alert. Fuck that. I'll I'll tell people <laughs> like we did with Ozark. Have you guys seen Ozark? Uh, I'm on season one right now. I just started okay. with my fiance. I, I won't tell you about Ozark, but anyway, I fucked up the ending for friends of ours that are that are deep, deep in it. And he goes, I didn't do it. Actually, Shelby did. My wife, because she has a habit of uh, stealing my material. <laughs> you know, uh, because she was a stand-up too. You know, we, we both were stand-up, and she was actually just introducing me until we went to Australia. And the Australian promoter goes, "Okay, uh, we'll put the girl on first, and then we'll have an intermission, and then uh, then you guys come up." And I, I and Shelby both looked. Shelby, her eyes lit up. Okay, and she became a, a, a comedian, but she. Uh, but I would do a, a, a show and, and get laughs and everything else. And then I'd do the same joke and never really got a laugh. What, what's going on? And then I found out that she was doing my jokes before I had a chance to. <laughs> 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 oh, I love her. But uh, <laughs> wow. What, what, a, what a beautiful, what a beautiful life I've had. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. And, and people ask me, what, what was it? And, in fact, I did a, 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 an interview with my daughter. <coughs> she uh, she asked me. Actually, the the whole she's doing a documentary on herself about her ballet dancing, and and of course I I got off on a tangent as I do, <laughs> and they asked me about uh, about you know the the, the special the special things that come to me you know and 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 i i have reached that point where it, it's channeled now the weed helps <laughs> the weed will make me ch chatty and, and then the cotton mouth will shut me up yeah. <laughs> so it works it works a good way but once once i get chatty man it, it's over <laughs> Um, and my last question that I have for you is out of all of the different roles and like events and music and like all, all your whole life of things that you've done, what is the one thing that's not extremely popular um, or in the zeitgeist of what everyone knows you for that you wish more people would watch or listen to? Um, that you are really proud of that no one ever talks to you about? Oh, I, I can't think of anything. Uh, I forget shit, you know. <laughs> uh, are you kidding? I, I can enjoy my movies. Every, every time I see the movies, I forget, totally forget the whole thing. <laughs> I, the other day, I tell you how, how serendipity my life is. We're... we're my my wife, if she wants to be nice to me, she'll find something on TV that we both can enjoy, mm -hmm. you know. And if she wants me out of the out of the room, she'll turn on the Housewives of Anywhere, 
mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and I'm out of the room. Uh, but she found we're we're looking for something to watch. Oh, Goodfellas, and and she goes, oh, let's watch that. And I love Goodfellas, so I watched that. Next day, we get the news: Ray Liotta died, mm-hmm. and we and it was like serendipity. Of all the things we had to watch, it was that one. Yep. You know, and and so I I know that I'm I'm really close. I'm I'm close to the to the core, you know. I'm re- very close. I'm rubbing elbows with it, you know, because I believe, you know, the spirit, like I said, the spirit never dies, you know, it's always here. So there's, you can feel the spirits of Moses, you feel the spirits of, of, of Jesus and the apostles, you can feel, feel that, that, that spirit. Uh, and, and, and it comes in because I'm, uh, I guess I'm a, a vessel where it can pour through me in, 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 a, in a sense, you know, mm-hmm. because that's, that's really what happened with the weed. You know, when we started uh, uh, shooting the movie, it wasn't up in smoke at all. It wasn't up in smoke until I went home, I wrote a song called Up in Smoke. And I came back and sang it for, for Cheech and Lou. And Cheech says, that's the title of the movie. And then when it became the title, well, the song itself became the, the plot. Up in smoke, that's where my money goes. In my lungs and sometimes up my nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. Jeff, do you got anything for Tommy? No, I mean, I just wanted to ask him about the mass Singer, and I got to do that. So I yeah. didn't think that was something that we were going to get to, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Out of yeah. all the things you've done, and Jeff only cares about the show that you were on for one episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to today's episode, everyone, with Tommy Chong. Thanks for coming out, Tommy. Like It's been a pleasure. You're one of my heroes from growing up, so I was really excited to be able to talk to you. Okay, Are, are, we, are we recording this? Yes. Yep. Oh, good. That's yeah. a good way to do. It. Yeah. That's a good way. That's a good way to have a show and record it. You know, yeah. Make sure you got it. Okay. Well, if you need me again, give me a call. I will. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks. Have a good day. Oh yeah, have a good day, man. Also, you can find us on Patreon. Um, things are being uploaded right now. We're catching up with all of our stuff because we just switched over to Patreon by the time this comes out. So Go to Patreon, become a patron, and you can watch the unedited video version of this episode where Tommy goes on to a few more wild tangents than what you than what you got to hear. Uh, he talks about religion a lot on that one. That isn't in the real episode. So uh, thanks so much for listening, everyone. And uh, Jeff, do something interesting since Nick's not here. Man, I don't know what to do here. I don't, I've never been put in a spot before. That's a goddamn um, lie, because I do it to you all the time. <laughs> hmm. I was trying to think of something like Tommy Chong related, but I can't think of any like one line on the top of my head. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> you look like you could be the younger Tommy Chong. <laughs> Give it a shot. I'll okay. go try to bump him off of that 90s show. 
Alright. I'll be his, his son. son. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alright, thanks everyone. That's my daughter just came in. Say hi to the guys. Hello. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Her name is Precious. She's from Toronto. Ooh. <laughs> she is precious. <laughs> yeah, she is. She's very precious. She uses my car like it's hers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How do I get out of here? <laughs> <laughs>